Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I am Mark K from Australia and joined, well, as always, by my friend in Brazil. He is the thrill. He's recently turned 30. It's Will Gottlieb. How are you, sir? G'day, mate. I am good. I'm feeling old and my bones are hurting. I'm, I had trouble getting out of bed this morning. I sprained my ankle. I slipped a disc. My life is over. I told you. But I'm glad to be here with you talking. talking I told you. It was, I think when I hit 32 is when all things started to go downhill for me, physically at least. Like 32? I think it was around 32, just before the pandemic. Like I, I used to be able to go for runs, play basketball, lift weights, whatever the situation was. No warm-ups required, no stretching. I wouldn't hurt the next day. I wouldn't be sore for days thereafter. I wouldn't pull something randomly in my shoulder, my leg, whatever the situation may be. But then when I hit around, I think it was around 32. I want to say 32. And for whatever reason, like I'll take the dogs for a walk. We'd go on a slight incline up a hill somewhere and then I'd be uh, I'd be feeling it for the next few days. So I guess what I'm saying, William, is you're going to have to start stretching. You're going to have to start limbering up. You're going to have to start really warming up cutting down all the crazy workouts that I know you do. I'm sure you do. Heaps of them. For you to be this chiseled and beautiful of a man, I'm sure you're- Well, it's just the athletic group, of course. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, nonetheless, I'm I'm assuming you're going to have to up your dosage. But um, yeah, things things start to go a little bit downhill for 30. At least they have for me. But nonetheless, I I, I hope that's not the case for you, my friend. But um, yeah. Well, it sounds like like I've got a couple more years. So (laughs) the timer has officially started, but- Definitely, you got you, you got at least two more years. And look, I was I was contemplating actually getting on the podcast today and singing you "Happy Birthday," but then I realized it. I am a thirty five year old man who would have been singing "Happy Birthday" to a a recently turned thirty year old man, and how embarrassing that would have been for the both of us. So I, I thought otherwise, but I want you to know that I at least contemplated it. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm very glad you didn't. <laughs> I'm glad you decided against it. Good, I made the right decision there. <laughs> good, good call in that sense. But um, you're still in Brazil. I mean, you will the thrill in Brazil at the moment, but you're you're heading back to Chicago soon. My so. last show in Brazil. I'll be back on Monday yeah. when Matt, Dave, and I uh, come back from the weekend, and we'll have our first show in studio on Tuesday. So I will be back, and yeah, it's kind of a weird feeling. I've been bouncing around so much this year, but. Studio has been great. I'm very excited for the Bulls season to actually start. Um, yeah, as much fun as I'm having making fantasy bas- or fantasy football lineups, like I'm ready to talk about some real basketball. So yeah. my going back to Chicago is on that track. We're, we're headed there. Well, I mean, and you're returning at a obviously an opportune time next week pretty much is when things start ramping up for the Bulls. I think media day is the, the 25th or the 26th, something like that. Yep, it is the um, so, follow. It's a week from Monday, so yeah. The 25th. So essentially, you're hitting you're hitting the ground, and um, pretty much thereafter, like we'll have bull stuff to talk about. Like, I mean, we already do. We're, we're going to be talking about stuff today, obviously, bulls related. But um, the season will start ramping on pretty much after after media days when things start to get serious. We get into media day, we get into training camp, and all of a sudden, uh, we're into preseason. So. Not too far off Bulls basketball, but nonetheless, we'll, we, we're going to hit on Bulls basketball today. We're going to touch on a, a few different topics or ideas. And um, in, in a sense, 
I guess there's some topics maybe that we'll touch on a little bit before in the past, but we're framing it a little bit differently. And the way I wanted to frame this today, this conversation today was maybe, um, you know, predicting storing lines to a degree um, and, and wondering, and, and in, in essence, what we're doing is like we're, we're forecasting ahead, we're making bold predictions, um, we're guessing as to how things may play out from a season perspective. I think people more generally, if they've tuned into the show, kind of know how you and I feel about the team, about its roster construction, about the offseason, all that sort of stuff. But we're kind of looking ahead and uh, using what has happened in the offseason to predict what will happen in the season. It'll be interesting to come back to this podcast maybe in a few months' time to see how how close we get right to predicting some of these storylines that we may be forecasting or foresee ahead. So I don't know. Let's let's start let's start with this topic. I wanted to start with this one because I think it's um it, it's something that bugs me, and I've alluded to it before. But this whole dynamic between Billy Donovan and Arturis, Arturis kind of shows Mark Evans little the front office, let's call it, and seemingly people, I guess, making it seem, or at least from my perspective, that there's a lot of pressure mount- mounting on Billy Donovan and maybe less so on Arturis kind of shows and Mark Eversley. So I wanted to have this conversation more generally, and maybe we could talk about you know predicting some some storylines that may flow out of this. But I guess let's start here. Who is under more pressure? Is it Billy Donovan to you or is it uh, Acme? So this is kind of a cop-out answer, but I think uh, for me, I think Billy Donovan will be under more pressure. Um, and I think the leash on his like career tenure with the Bulls will be shorter. But I think that the pressure is mounting on Arturis and Mark Eversley. Um, basically, for, for like all intents and purposes, their real... Um, their real plan started when they made the trade for Vooch. That was like the the signal that they were mm-hmm. essentially starting their, you know, yeah. determining what path they were going to go on. They mm-hmm. decided to push chips into the table to go get a player as opposed to trading players for, for picks or younger players or assets or whatever it may be. So for me, that's when things really started for Arturis and we're now entering like year two and a half of that, like it'll be the third season where, um, where those decisions, like the, where the team that he created will be on the floor. And it's just a, it's a wild uh, place to start sort of talking about what his trajectory has been in terms of, you know, just the season being all over the place last year. But I think right now for, for me, the, the, structural problems with this team are as a result of the roster construction and not a result of bad coaching. Um, You know, I'm not saying Billy Donovan is the best or top five coach in the NBA. I think he's very good, but uh, I think, you know, the issues that this team faced last year were related to lack of shooting, lack of uh, ability to defend when one of their two defensive players went out and generally, you know, an inability to, recover from injuries um, in a way that I think was just very difficult for, you know, Billy Donovan, but it's a, it's a problem with the structure of the team and the fact that the the depth and the shooting and just the ability to like insulate against some of these problems was, I think a, a, a flaw in the roster construction. So I think these things will sort of start to point at Billy. And I think some of the fans will, quickly turn to him because that's kind of how it goes. Like the coach draws mm. the the most yeah. attention, but I think we're at a point where like some they're doing continuity, right? Like they're going to see how this goes at the trade deadline. If it's not going right or at next, next, uh, next year at this time, if things aren't going right, I think that's when Arturis needs to start like reevaluating the future and making some big moves. And if they don't do a good job of that, if they fail at that, if, they their hands are tied for whatever reasons and they're not able to do anything i think that's like we're we're nearing the point where it becomes very clear that you know the the team construction and the people who are putting the team construction together are sort of the ones that are um struggling the most all right well look i'm gonna frame it this way here's two things that i think the goat is going to be writing about in this upcoming Mm -hmm. season Um, i won't put myself in that Manner because who the hell knows if I will ever actually post a blog or not, but I'm tipping you will be. You will. Well, let's see. But I, you, I, I, you definitely will be. But here's two storylines I'm pitching to you that I think 
you know, you may as well start your drafts now, William, because I think you're going to be writing about them. But first one is, why did the Bulls do nothing at the, at the trade deadline? That's my prediction. That's my storyline. I think you're going to be writing about that topic. That's one. The other one I think we're going to be writing about, whether it's at the deadline, somewhere else in the season, perhaps at the end of the season, is should the Bulls fire Billy Donovan? I think that's going to be another storyline that pops up. Now, I'm not suggesting that I agree with that because I most certainly don't. Um, again, people who have tuned in at all and listened to me on CHTO or Bulls HQ, whatever the situation may have been, I am a big Billy Donovan fan. I remain one. I think he's done a you know a very good job. Like you, I don't think he's a top five or potentially even a top 10 coach in the NBA. I think he's probably closer to you know 15, somewhere in that mid-range area. But nonetheless, I think based on what he has been given from a roster standpoint, I think he's delivered on... Most things, he hasn't been 100%. I don't think he, I don't think any coach can be, but nonetheless, I think I've been very impressed with him. But to your point, like last season, it felt like Vooch was a scapegoat. Maybe Vooch will carry on being the playoff scapegoat next season or this upcoming season. I should say this season now. We're into this. Well, it's not, it's, we can park the, uh, the next season talk because like this season is here, but maybe Vooch remains that scapegoat in some senses. But I think Billy Donovan really is going to transition into scapegoat season from from uh, from the fans point of view um because they won like you said like coach is always the one that gets the blame rightly or wrongly it's typically how it always goes they're always the most vulnerable but i think more generally the fan base are just still so enamored with ak and there's still so much goodwill there the fact that he isn't garpax and the fact that he's not garpax that it their their miscues are sometimes overlooked or diminished or not talked about as much so in you know, combining that all up, I, I just can't foresee a situation where Billy isn't a scapegoat next season. And I guess the only way that really is is if, if for whatever reason, the Bulls are a top four team, which I don't foresee happening. And, and as we've noted, like the last few weeks, like there's this Eastern Conference is absolutely loaded. There's going to be three really good teams who are forced into a playing situation. And one of those teams is going to miss the playoffs entirely. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Bulls are that team. So if the Bulls finish ninth, I think a lot of fans are going to come down on Billy Donovan, even if they finish seven or eighth. Then I, I think a lot of fans will be clamoring to, you know, wanting to change the coach. And um, I'm predicting that's something you're going to be talking about. The fact that uh, so much of the narrative, so much of the conversation has shifted to Billy not being good enough and maybe it not necessarily being a conversation of the roster itself. So I'm tipping we're going to be having that conversation. And like I said, I also think we're going to be talking about the Bulls' inactivity at the trade deadline, just as we did in the offseason. Do you think my predictions there well, are on at all, Will? Uh, I certainly do about Billy, but I wanted to ask you this in terms of, mm-hmm. um, like, at what point does the sort of benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt for AK, the sort of new GM, new basketball regime, mm-hmm. shine wear off? to the point where people will start asking questions because for me kind of that whole ramble that I was going on was to say that, like, I think this is the time where that starts to happen. I was skeptical, Mm. um, you know, last trade deadline. We talked a lot about, should they trade Patrick Williams? Should they go all in? Uh, Obviously they, they made their move with Vooch uh, like two trade deadlines ago. Uh, That was what it was. Like I appreciated the fact that they were going in, maybe they overpaid, whatever, um, but then they committed to a direction. And as we've talked about before, we felt okay with that because we assumed that they were going to continue on that direction. Whereas right now it seems like they've kind of pulled back a little bit, uh, foot off the gas pedal. And mm-hmm. I think this is now like, we've seen what the decision is. We've seen what the direction is for me. This is the point where the like benefit of the doubt kind of starts to go away and we can start to actually be critical and um, make judgments, I think, about what some of these decisions are. So for you, is that, is that kind of where you are in terms of yeah. The, yeah. the timeline and uh, whether we can start to, I don't, I don't want to say point the finger, because I do think that like most of, this, most of the decisions have been great. Like we've seen good basketball for the first time in five years, and you can't like, you know, poo-poo that. But like, you know, if they want to be a really good team, you know, they have to continue to make moves. And I, and that's, I think where it's like the step from bad to good and then, okay, they got to good. Now what's the step from good to great. And are they going to do that at all? Yeah, look, I, I am pretty much at the precipice at the moment of being a, a real doubter. Um, 
And if you think about it this way, uh, first off season didn't really do anything beyond firing Jim Boylan, which was the easiest the easiest move any front office could have made. They brought in Garrett Temple. They drafted Patrick Williams. That, that was pretty much it. Uh, not a lot of overturn. And then all of a sudden, you know, at that point, I was kind of like, uh, what are we doing here? Like, why aren't we we doing something? And I was starting to question things at that point, but then they made the trades at the trade deadline. I supported the Rich trade. Um, I supported the other moves they made. And then, I, like you noted, like it, 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 it made a clear path for the team. It, it gave us a sign that this this uh, new front office that was coming in was prepared to do things a little bit differently than previous one. That continued into the second off season when they signed... Uh, Sign and traded Demar, signed and traded Lonzo, brought in Caruso. The, not only the, the the players they they brought in, but the way they did them from a cap point of view, like that really encouraged me. And I was thinking, okay, this really is has the potential to be a really good new front office. But then we were at the last deadline, nothing happened, and I think something should have happened given where I thought this team could have gone. Um, you know, maybe I was a little bit overzealous in thinking that they were a a sneaky chance at being a contender. But, you know, we'll never know, I suppose, because nothing nothing changed. And obviously the season fell off, um, you know, after game 50 last season. So who the hell knows? But then ultimately I was expecting something to change this offseason given what we witnessed previously. But obviously uh, Acme has been going with the continuity line for, for a host of reasons, I suppose. And, and maybe they will be right in that. And maybe I will be coming back on this podcast in a few months' time saying I was wrong, Acme were right, they were right in continuing uh going down this continuity path and, and leaving things as is because they they've got more of a pulse of the team than I and, and they uh they were they were correct in keeping things together because what we saw in games one to, to forty was more representative of what we than what we saw in games forty one through eighty two. So you know it this can and will change potentially but based on where things sit right now there's just been more inactivity than activity I guess. And I think there's potential, as we've, as we've talked about in the past, like the Vooch trade I endorsed and I thought was a good move, but given where things stand right now and the potential for it to look a lot worse, like in a scenario, imagine a scenario where the Bulls miss the playoffs. They're in a playing situation. They lose that game. They miss the playoffs. They finish ninth. They're sending a lottery pick potentially to the Magic. So in effect, you've given two lottery picks and Wendell Carter to to the Magic for for uh, Nikola Vucevic, who you may or may not be bringing back at this point. Who knows? Yeah, for so two, for if two that years were to, ago. yeah, like if that were to happen, and I don't think that's an unrealistic situation. Like that's definitely in play. That trade looks significantly worse. We've talked about the fact that they owe a twenty-five first-round pick to the Spurs. That may convey to the Spurs for the in the DeRozan deal. So like. I guess what I'm saying is like, even though there was moves that I endorsed at the, at the time they occurred, like because of their inactivity now, like those moves potentially look a lot worse in time. So I guess I am starting to question really well, um, you know, what's going on with Acme? How much of this is driven by them? How much is how much of their limitations is driven by ownership and not wanting to push beyond the tax? That's the age old question that continues to haunt the bulls. But nonetheless, I do think... You know, I may be in the minority in the sense of questioning the front office, questioning the ownership, whereas I think a lot of people will start questioning the coaching. And I think I'm going to be a frustrated fan this upcoming season where people will be yelling about Billy Donovan not doing this, not doing that. Why aren't we shooting more threes? Why aren't we playing more in transition? Why isn't Pat touching more the more of the ball? Why isn't the offense more egalitarian than it being a DeMar and Zach show. Like I, I can imagine all these sort of things being a, a topic of discussion and I'll be frustrated if that's the case, but I'm predicting that's going to be the case. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a, a really fair way to be looking at it. It's certainly um, I think more along the lines of the way I'm seeing it too. And again, I think, you know, I appreciate the way that the front office has gone about this so far. And I think I, I've supported most of the moves that they've made. Um, What's interesting to me is that it's been all or nothing at, you know, start of the season, they didn't make any moves and then they went all in trading for Vooch. And then they went all in again on free agents and Damar and Lonzo and Crusoe. And then they did nothing at the deadline. And so uh, they did nothing again this summer. I mean, you can, you can call Drummond and, and Dragic moves. I think they like, those guys are fine. They'll help. But in lieu of doing, you know, watching all these other teams make huge moves and then, 
following it up with those signings, I think was it's, it's fair to say those were a little lackluster. So I'm expecting some real moves at the deadline. Um, maybe that does, maybe that doesn't happen. Um, certainly at the end of this upcoming season, I think they're going to have to like really pick some directions. And that's kind of where I wanted to take this next was a conversation about Vooch, who you mentioned um, and what the bulls are going to be doing with him, whether it's trading him at the deadline, uh, you know, re-signing him, or just letting him walk in free agency. They've got a real sort of conundrum on their hands. But uh, maybe, Mark, you want to tell the people about our... Or maybe I should tell the people uh, before we get into that conversation about a new sponsor a that we have. I definitely want to go topic. I definitely do think it's a good idea. Like, you've hit 30, Will, and all your good ideas are now starting to spring up. That's a, that's a thing I didn't mention. Like, whilst you, your body starts to de- deteriorate at 30, you do get wiser, you do get smarter, and I just witnessed it in real I'm time. I'm hitting the inflection you'll... point before my body <laughs> collapses, but that's the while my that's mind is still sharp. Yeah, exactly. And I, I look forward to to using those newfound skills that you have when our you know, upcoming topic about Vucevic. But to your point, let's tell the listeners about a few of our friends, and let's start with Green Ridge Farms. Let's start with Green Ridge Farms, our new sponsor and Matt Peck's absolute best friends. Uh, They've been dropping off some hot dogs and brats and stuff like that at the studio. And uh, our guys, Jake and Kevin, the the leaders in command over at CHGO, have been grilling up during lunchtime. So that is one reason I am excited to be getting back to Chicago, getting back to our studio. Uh, Green Ridge Farms is a local meat and cheese market. Um, they're offering a better all natural option. They make deli meats, sausages, um, and their famous meat sticks. Um, they've got 16 or they've got 16 grams of protein per stick and they make a great post-workout snack for all of those who are, uh, you know, taking the, the athletic greens pre-workout, get some nice meat sticks in there afterwards. Uh, they've got chicken, black forest beef, jalapeno cheddar, spicy chili, and more flavors, um, so right now, when you order three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com, they will include a pack of those delicious meat sticks in your cart, and those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. So make sure to go to GreenRidgeFarm.com and use promo code CHGO when you check out. For sure. And look, I also want to tell the, the listeners well about game time. So we've had game time on before, and... For those that aren't aware, GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. I don't know about you, Will, but have you ever dreamed about sitting on you know, like basically courtside at an NBA game or at the 50-yard line watching Justin Fields throw absolute daggers or behind home plate? I, I assume home plate's a baseball reference like fl- or even floor seats at a concert. Like All of that is possible with the GameTime app. So if you want to get the biggest last-minute price drops on any event that you want, if you want to get some seats, you can save yourself almost up to 60% off on certain uh, events. Use the Game Time app. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time because that's the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. If I ever make my way to Chicago at some point in the future, William. And if I want to go to a, a Bulls game, if I want to see the Bears, my Bears play a game, I'm going straight on the game time app and I'm trying to get my tickets through there. So if I'm trying to do that from uh, abroad when I head over to, to Chicago, then there's nothing stopping those folks, our fine friends in Chicago, from jumping on the, the game time app and getting you know getting tickets to whatever it may be. They can get anything on the game time app. So use uh, the, the link in description, download the app, and uh, join over 15 million people who have downloaded the app and scores the best seats available. Mark, you, uh, I, sources close to the situation uh, told me a while ago, and I wonder if this uh, this information is still true, but that you were mulling a trip to the great city of Chicago, Illinois? I, I was, but um, I can tell you sources close to, closest to my information, <laughs> and that being my <laughs> bank account, um, suggest that that is no longer maybe happening. <laughs> Unfortunate. I just spent all my money in my PayPal account recently on you know pointless shit. So um, who knows? Who knows? I, I will, we'll see. I would like to get over there. Um, but can I be honest with you? Like, I think the biggest hurdle for me in getting over there is my fear of flying. Uh, I do you not have like a fear of flying. Plane. I don't. I hate airplanes. I hate them so much. Um, they make me very scared. I'm looking. 
to no one's surprise, I would be, to, yeah, to no one's surprise for them to learn. I'm a very anxious person more generally. <laughs> uh, you know, walking on terra firma, Will, I'm a, I'm a very anxious person. That'll do it. That alone will do it for me. But being on a freaking plane and flying to the other side of the world, being in the air for like 20, 24 hours, the thoughts that go through my mind, it's not healthy. Um, so I think the biggest burden for me getting to Chicago was actually getting to Chicago. <laughs> so if, if yeah, someone can figure out a way to knock me out for 20 hours and put me on a plane and even if it's in cargo or something like that, put me in a like a DHL express bag or whatever it may be, like maybe in that way I'll get over. But I don't know. I have to overcome that fear some. But uh, like even getting like an hour, an hour and a half flight from where I am in Australia to like a, a, the next the next city, like I, I get anxious going that far, let alone crossing seas and those sorts of things. So, um, like if I'm being real, that's that's the uh, that's the, I can uh, tell you, it's not the most fun to to fly across countries, but uh, yeah. there are there are certain things you can do, certain medicines you can take to uh, <laughs> knock yourself out if you need to. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, but um. We'll, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But if there's anything that's definitely going to bring me over to Chicago next season, it's um, cheering on my boy, Nikola Vucevic. So maybe we can talk oh, about Vucevic. What a segue. That was elite <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about Vucevic because we, we started uh, teasing the situation. And no doubt, um, I think you know the topic of Vucevic is going to be one that continues to be one that people rage about. Obviously, that was the case last season. Uh, it's pretty easy to project forward that it will be a topic that we discuss going forward more generally because, one, he, ha- he has to have a bounce-back year. Uh, I mentioned the trade, like the conversation about the ta- the trade will not die, particularly as we monitor the situation of the team. And like I said, if it's trending more to a situation where the balls are in that 7-10 to 10 range and in a real threat of being in a, a playing situation, then... Obviously, the trade topic will continue to to grow legs because in that scenario, as, as, I, as I noted, like the Bulls could be giving up another lottery bound pick to, to the Magic. Vooch regressed last season. He needs a bounce back here. He's in an expiring deal. There's going to be conversations around what the Bulls should be doing him with, with him more generally. So, like, there's going to be a lot of storylines to be talking about with Vooch. Uh, maybe we could predict a few here, Will, but uh, I'll let you start this time. Um, in terms of assigning some own work for yourself and maybe hitting the drafts and getting those stories in right now. But I've got a few of my own, but what do you think are going to be some some stories or some topics you're going to be covering on, on Vucevic this upcoming season? Well, I think we got to start with the trade deadline. I mean, that's the that's yeah. the big, uh, the nearest hurdle. Um, he's basically got however many games it is to prove that he needs to be around, right? I mean, I yeah. think as much as you and I both appreciate what he does as much as it would hurt to basically push in these two lottery chips, uh, lottery protected picks, but lottery picks nonetheless. And uh, Wendell Carter for, you know, two plus seasons of uh, an aging former all-star center. Uh, The Bulls have some real questions on their cap sheet going into next season. Um, And so I think a big one is like, is Vooch performing? And if so, uh, do we want to extend him? And if not, is it better to try to find a trade partner or just let him walk? So they're kind of in a difficult situation where, um, you know, being an over the cap team, they, they have his bird rights and they'll have the ability to uh, extend him above the cap. But, and so you have to protect that. It's called the bird right traps where you, you have to protect that and stay over the cap because if you lose him, you're still, uh, at or above the cap, you can't go out and sign free agents. So you need to be very careful um, sort of protecting the assets that you have. But at some point, maybe it's just not worth it and you and you want to move on because you know the trade partner isn't there or um, you want to maybe go a different direction and start to recoup some of the assets by uh, starting to you know change the team around and, and make some bigger moves. So they've got some big questions. I think the first one is just going to be, do they want to move him at the deadline? And honestly, like I've thought about it a lot. I'm not really sure. I think we just need some some game samples to to actually know what's going to happen. But the fact that it's this big of a question, that it's this open ended at this point in my mind, I think is is really interesting. And it's also indicative of the fact that we're going to be, you know, almost certainly talking about it come February. Yeah, and look, the, I, I'm predicting we're going to be talking about this in a week's time after media day. But like, I, and I'm sure Vooch is going to be asked this question by you know yourself or a host of other beat writers is 
where are conversations with you and the Bulls in terms of an extension? Like that's the first gate to open. Um, so we may be in a few weeks' time talking about a story about Vooch and the Bulls agreeing to a new two-year deal, a new three-year deal, or maybe a one-plus-one, whatever the situation may be. So I'm less confident about that um, happening. Uh, we'll, we'll see if, if that does occur. But like that is certainly something that we're going to be talking about, either whether it's going to be a topic like the Bulls extend Vooch to X deal or the Bulls and Vucevic do not agree to an extension. Maybe that's more of a topic. And then in, if that were to occur, obviously then further speculation grows. That, is he someone that they keep at the trade deadline? Is he someone that lasts beyond the trade deadline? Um, do they bring him back in the offseason? Do they let him go in the offseason? So like the conversation around Vuce, it, 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 it has a few gates to to clear in that sense. And the first is that whole extension piece, uh, which we'll, I think we'll learn over the next few weeks. So my prediction in this sense is that they won't come to an extension. Um, that uh, That's pure guess. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. And I don't, and I don't know if you can because, I mean, l- let's assume they sign Vooch to a reasonable deal. Uh, let's just call it, I don't know, two years, $30 million. So $15 million annually, roughly. Like, that would be a reasonable deal. Um at least for from the Bulls' perspective, but like, one would Vooch want to do that? My more and beyond that, like at thirty three years of age, going into next season, like even on fifteen million dollars a de- uh, year, like would that still make Vooch an asset of sorts? Like, yeah, you're extending him. Maybe you're extending the life of him as an asset. You're giving yourself more flexibility to maybe use that deal in trades, those sorts of situations. But like, Vooch being extended and being on a deal that represents fair value only makes sense if he can still be considered an asset by other teams. And like, is he, is Vooch on 15 million annually as a 33 year old, potentially declining center? Um, is, is that even an asset at that point? Like, so maybe like it, whilst I've been someone who definitely is on the bandwagon of extending him, if you can, that way you can maintain him as an asset or if not, then trading him at the deadline as an expiring. Maybe none of that all makes sense. And maybe the best course of action really is just to let him walk because for whatever reason, him on a, and a new deal on, via an extension may not look very good anyway. Or even if you trade him at the deadline, you're potentially getting back someone who's you know, a reasonable player, but maybe has uh, further years on their deal still owing. And I don't know if that's an advantageous situation anyway. So like, uh, I guess what I'm saying is like, is, is there some realm of possibility where letting him walk is the best course of action when... Generally, I would say no, it isn't, but maybe in this case it is. Well, let's uh, let's just start by talking about the extension timeline. And right now, because he is an expiring contract, he is eligible to be extended anytime through June 30th of 2023. So hmm. I think what's more likely than not to happen is um, the Bulls either come to some very team-friendly agreement on an extension prior to the trade deadline, hmm. or they let the trade deadline pass and then try to extend him or just come to the you know the come to terms with the fact that they have to just let him walk because i agree with you you know he has to be valuable to other teams in order to be an asset and right now i just don't think he is i mean even at what is it 18 or 20 million dollars a season um the way he played as an expiring contract i just don't think teams are going to be interested in giving you players or picks for him so they're in a tough situation where he helps the bulls more than um you know would help the bulls to to move him or it would help another team to have him so uh yeah i mean it's a tricky situation right now and i think that's why they need to wait a little bit and see i mean i don't think the trade value is going down much further than it is right now um but if he starts to play well and you know you're winning and he's looking a lot better than he was last year one, it obviously helps you and, and you're a better team for it. But two, he becomes um, a more tradable piece. And maybe you have to pony up a little bit more on the extension. But I think, I mean, for him even, like you have to look at the market and see, you know, what other centers are going to be available next year, uh, where teams are spending their money, what other centers uh, this past year and in future years are going to be getting on the open market. It's not it's not very friendly to centers. So I think Mm. he's going to at some point have to come to the realization that like the money is not going to be what he wants it to necessarily from the bulls or anybody else. And, you know, coming to an extension with the bulls where he's comfortable, where he, 
you know, at least knows that he's wanted to a certain extent. The team traded for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's what's most likely to happen, but um, it also kind of requires him to play well because I do think that there's a real chance that at the end of this year, it's just better. You know, maybe Andre Drummond looks fantastic and the Bulls want, um, they want to ha- make him the starting center. Uh, he's got a player option on next year, but they've got early bird rights on him. So maybe they can extend him over the cap and that just makes more sense. Who knows? I'm not saying that's likely. I, I kind of doubt it, but um, I think they they gave themselves a little bit more of a buffer by adding Drummond. And um, now that there's like a legitimate backup center on the team, I think, you know, nobody was calling for Tony Bradley to start games over Vooch last year, but I think we might actually start to hear some people call for Drummond and it'll be really interesting to see how that sort of player dynamic in terms of like, who's helping the team more, who's actually performing better um, progresses over the course of the season. Well, I've got a long memory, and there's certainly people calling for Tristan Thompson to uh, start for Vooch over Vooch when Tristan first arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people calling being... for him to start next to Vooch too, but... Yeah, uh, I haven't forgotten those people, particularly those people who blasted me about the uh, about that specific topic. But nonetheless, I digress. But I guess what I was hinting at, like, from a pure asset play, like it would make sense to trade Vooch. If, if, if he's not part of the wind, uh, like part of your next team, if he's not part of the calculation... It, it makes sense to move him if you want or if you can. But if the if the million moves are available to in, in trading for Vucha for you know centers who are okay but maybe have two or three more years left on their deal, let's say that's ten to fifteen million dollar range, they can be adequate replacements for Vooch, maybe different players, but uh, replacement level in that sense. But like, whilst you're getting an, an okay center to fill his void. Would you really want 10, 12, 15 million dollars on the books for like a Rashawn Holmes as an example in place of Vooch? Like, or is it, would it be better in that situation just to let him walk because you don't have to have that guaranteed money on your books for a player who's okay but doesn't necessarily move the needle at all? So, I, I guess that's what I was getting at, like, or trying to hint at, like, or even like thinking about like the, the Dallas Mavericks, for example, like they gave JaVale McGee a, a contract that I don't think he's worth. And they've got too many bigs at the moment. There's probably going to be a situation where one of them is probably going to have to go at some point. Like, I don't know. Like, would you want JaVale McGee on his guaranteed deal for the next two or three years over Vooch? Or would you rather just let Vooch walk and reassess in the offseason as to what you want to do at center? Yes, you won't have a lot of cap space, if any, to do anything with. You will have your mid-level and those sorts of things. But I don't know. Maybe it just makes more sense to let him walk and not have that cap hit on your book for a an okay center who doesn't necessarily do do what you need him and who maybe not even that much better than Andre Drummond on a minimum deal. So it's just, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating uh, situation, but nonetheless, I think we're going to be talking a lot, a lot about Nikola Vucevic again. Uh, he's going to dominate the airways on, on CHGO and, you know, on the Twitter sphere, all that sort of stuff. Fans are going to be talking a lot about Vucevic. We talked about Billy Donovan being a scapegoat. I think that's definitely going to be the case. I think we can lock it in the books that Vucevic uh, will remain one as well. It's um, certainly Boozer-like in that sense. So, um, I don't know, making predictions in this sense was pretty easy. Uh, they, I mean, the way it turns around, I guess, is Vooch comes out and hits 38% of his threes on good volume and maybe that conversation changes dramatically. But I think that's probably more unlikely than um, you know the, the, the narrative being spun in the sense that this guy's not good enough, the trade was bad, let's move on from him. I think that's more likely than him coming out and being a... Uh, a dynamo offensive player. Well, I think it's also sort of a question of identity and what kind of, what kind of style do the bulls want to play? I mean, we know DeMar just absolutely lived in the mid range. We also know that teams picked him up at, you know, half court and trapped him uh, pretty much the entire last third of the season. And Vooch was the safety valve. He was the guy that was making the plays as the short roll facilitator in four on three situations. Um, do they want to just find somebody who can be a dead eye shooter uh, at the five and just like be somebody that lets it rip in those situations, as opposed to sort of uh, trying to find the open man in, in one of those short roll plays that I was just talking about. Uh, Do they want to find somebody that's going to be very limited, but um, a really good pick and dive guy and somebody who can catch lobs where DeMar can just like toss it over the top and you can take one dribble or go right up and dunk it. Uh, right now, I think they play uh, in a situation where, where it's a little bit of everything, but not enough of anything. 
And I think they're going to either, but there aren't many guys who can do all of it, right? I mean, it's like Jokic, Embiid, Carl Towns, maybe Bam, although he doesn't shoot the ball very well. Uh, so there aren't really guys that can do everything in the way that Vooch can. Um, but he does, he doesn't like limit you, right? Like he can shoot, he can space the floor, he can get going downhill and make reads. So uh, he opens up play styles for you. He just isn't really you know, performing at a high enough level to where you're really able to take advantage of that. And so one way to do that would be to specialize, to have somebody that just shoots threes, have somebody who just dives, somebody who is a really good facilitator and then can like attack the basket in in those advantage situations. So I think they, they kind of need to decide if they're going to be this more versatile team uh, or if they're going to try to specialize and then uh, sort of pick a direction in that way. So for me, that's just as big a question. And if they decide they want somebody who can just space the floor because we all know that they were the the lowest volume three-point team, like go get somebody who can just shoot. Like I don't even want to say this name because it's silly, but like uh, a Larry Markinen type who's literally just a shooter. Like if that if that's the guy you want to just space the floor, fine. Like you've made a decision about it. Do you want somebody like JaVale McGee who can just dive and catch lobs? Fine. I think you specialize in, in that way. Um, and maybe it makes you better at one thing, but a little bit more limited um, in the rest of the the offensive sort of game plan that you run right now. But then, you know, also maybe gives you a little bit more in the form of room protection um, or somebody who can switch a little bit better. So there's a lot of different ways they can go. And I think identity and picking more of a established style might also do them some good. And that could be something that you see at the deadline or, you know, next season, when Vooch is an expiring, maybe they try to sign and trade him or um, they extend and then try to find a deal down the road. So definitely think that for a variety of different reasons, Vooch is going to be the center of attention. Yeah. Uh, was, the, was the word center there a pun? Because if it wasn't, that was a good one. No pun intended. Well, there you go. It should have been. It should have been. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, if we could, I would support a trade for Larry Markkinen if the Bulls were to employ a hypnotist and before every I'm not game, saying but... the Bulls should actually <laughs> trade for Larry Markkinen. No, I'm, I'm sure he's I'm available. Saying, I'm saying the Bulls should trade for Larry Markkinen, get a hypnotist to, before every game, convince Larry that he's actually playing for the Finnish national team, not the Chicago Bulls, and we would get the guy that we always thought was possible. Uh, he, he's just such a better international player than NBA player. But I, I, I take your point. I take your point. That, um, but I, I just, I just question. I wonder if they have that, uh, that flexibility to do something like that. Like, <laughs> w- w- could you even get Larry Markin for Vucevic in a straight, in a straight up swap? Maybe because you know Vuce is an expiring, and maybe a team like Utah would value an expiring deal more so than Larry. But I'm pretty sure they would want to flip Larry for a, for a pick or something like that. So, I guess what I'm saying is like, it would be good to use Vuce as an asset to maybe try to to specialize or try to to stylize your team in a specific way but i don't even know if he has that value at this point um you would probably have to do other things to to sweeten the deal to do so um so it's a tough one but uh yeah look like you noted we're going to be talking a lot about vooch throughout the season so let's pause the topic there because yeah uh i don't want to exhaust the vooch talk now because um i'm going to need the energy for the next six to eight months talking about it so Let's continue on talking about um, something else a little bit after this. But first, well, can I tell you about Foco? Please. I would love I to feel hear like I, more about Foco. I, I feel like I need to tell you about Foco because I tried last week to get you to buy me a Justin Fields bobblehead. And thus far, I haven't received it. I did link you to a particular one that I wanted from Foco. Um, it was this nice, like virtually all the Justin Fields bobbleheads I sold out on Foco.com. There was one available that was coming through. It hasn't come through or hasn't landed yet. It's a pre-sale item. I, I wanted that Foco uh, bobblehead of Justin Fields. And for me, it was a bit of a good luck charm going into uh, the, the game last week. The Bears played a football game <laughs> last week. They beat... Oh, who who did they play? Uh, the, was it the 49ers? It was. That, yeah. And look, obviously... The 49ers of San Francisco. Exactly. As I said, the Bears are going to win that game. And they're going to win because of Justin Fields. And I and I knew if you had purchased that bobblehead for me that this Bears season would be a just a, a really you know great and fun and memorable one. But thus far, you haven't logged on to Foco.com. You haven't used promo code CHDO for all non-presale items to get 10% off. 
and you haven't given me that bobblehead. So um, I'm pretty disappointed in you. I, I must admit, I must admit. I know it's your birthday, and maybe I should have been buying you something from Foco.com. That's where but I was I about did, to take this. <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> I did explicitly say I wanted that Justin Fields bobblehead. So I guess what I'm saying is, will I expect that bobblehead? But for people listening, if you want to go jump onto Foco.com and get me that Justin Fields bobblehead, then I'll be most appreciative. If it's not for me, then maybe you can get it for someone else, whether it's a hoodie, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, any any kind of merch that you want, whether it's bears, bulls, white socks, cubs, other Chicago sports teams that I don't follow and know much about. I don't have to know much about them because Foco's got you covered anyway. They know everything about Chicago sports. So if, you, if you're listening to CHDO, you're getting the best uh, Chicago uh, sports coverage here. And if you want to get fitted out with the best Chicago sports coverage going around, then head over to foco.com use promo code chgo for 10 percent off all non-presale items you can either go to foco.com or you can use the link in the description of the of this podcast so it's that easy jump onto foco.com use the link in the description 10 percent off chgo as a promo code get yourself a, C- a justin fields bobblehead um and maybe you'll get it a little bit sooner than what i will because i'm um i'm still patiently waiting will you well yeah keep waiting <laughs> <laughs> do you think the Bears are going to win this week um, I'm tipping they are who are they playing Aaron Rodgers yeah Aaron Rodgers yeah I'm surprised you've heard of him ah oh, big fan I'm, I'm not, not of Aaron Rodgers but no you're not the Bears, but, we, uh... don't, we don't like him we don't like him <laughs> no I don't like him either uh, so, do I think yeah. they're going to win no do I kind of am I talking myself into them winning yeah I feel like Justin Fields is going to throw 20 for 32 I've, I've just got, a, I've just got that feeling. Uh, that's a pretty okay. good QB rating, yeah. Um, 107 QB rating, I think, is coming up. Um, he'll throw it to a few tight ends and wide receivers, and I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think Aaron Rodgers isn't immunized enough to the point where, well, he hasn't been immunized against Justin Field and the Bears. So I think, I think the Bears are going to win by 24. Okay. Yeah, you heard it first. Well, this, this podcast where might- we've we, 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 been predicting storylines. Come Monday, I think the uh, our CHGO Bears fans will be... If the uh, Bears win by 24 points and <laughs> Justin Fields has a 107 passer rating on 20 of 32 attempts, I will buy you a Justin Fields bobblehead from Foco.com. Okay. you will, It's on record now. It's on record. It is on record. It and is I, on will record. Not, I will not dodge it if, it if it actually happens. 100%. And look, the thing I love most about Justin Fields is the fact that he's only 23 years old. He's a future cornerstone. He's a great young prospect. And the Bears have that in their fold. And I'm just wondering, Will, like, do, do the Bulls have someone like that? Do the Bulls have their own Justin Fields? They have a guy like Patrick Williams who maybe, hopefully, could have the same scope as, as my friend Justin Fields. Patrick's only 21. But I, I'm wondering, Will, and this is a take that I've been working on in the background. Is Patrick, at the end of this season, are we going to have been having a conversation about Patrick Williams being the young Bulls, uh, the best young Bulls prospect on the roster? Or is there a chance that someone like Ayo Desumu at the end of this season or even during this season, we're talking about, writing about the fact that Ayo is actually the Bulls' best young prospect on the roster, even above Patrick Williams? Do you think there's any chance that happens? I think that... I think it will be a version of that, but I think what the, the way that we'll be talking about it is... Patrick's only 21 and IO is 22. So he's good now and Patrick needs time still. More and time. I think it, it will be more it will be more about now now it will switch to yes he's only 21 but it's also that he missed his entire second season. And so it didn't count. He didn't get to play. So he's, and he's really he wasn't able to it's still but he's really a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. He's really he's only, he's really this is only his second year. So I think that's really where it's going to go. Do you think that'll annoy me or not? What like what's your prediction around that? Do you think I will be annoyed by that conversation? Well, I've been I've been told before by a, a former coach of the Chicago Bulls that you can learn by sitting and watching. So introspection. Yeah, I think it'll yeah, introspection. Exactly. So I think I think it's total fake news. I think uh <laughs> Patrick should be better this year, despite the fact that he didn't play at all last year and he's only twenty one. Yeah, uh, look, I hope Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Patrick Williams is the best but young prospect on the Bulls roster. 
but I, I just wonder based on the scope of this team um, and the way it's currently constituted, the fact that we've spent, you know, already hours upon hours talking about Lonzo Ball, his injury, the fact that the Bulls have a, uh, a situation at point guard whereby they're going to be without their starter and the fact that someone like Io can come in and maybe even start from day one. We expect Patrick to start from day one, obviously a power forward, but I just wonder if the way this team is built and the skills of Io, the fact that I, I just wonder if he has a better fit with this team to the point where maybe he's not the best young prospect. Maybe he's not the best, be- a better player, but I just wonder if he's going to be the more productive player for this team going forward. So maybe that's a better way to frame it. That is there a chance that Io is the more productive player for the Bulls this season than Patrick Williams? Obviously, that was the case last season for obvious reasons. Patrick missed so much time with injury and whatnot. But even and assuming they're both on a level playing field, a playing field. Assuming both are healthy, both play 80, 80-ish games and get a similar opportunity where they're playing 25, 30 minutes a night. I think there is a real chance where we, we're looking at Io being the more productive and more valuable player for this specific season. I'm not predicting maybe beyond there, at least not at this part of the segment, but I, I think that is a real conversation that we're going to be having. And that was kind of, I'm glad you uh, chimed in there at the end that's saying that like, just because it's maybe the case this year doesn't mean that that will be the case longer term because I think Io's skill set is a little bit more developed and it it mm. is a little bit more ready um patrick williams is going to get minutes like he's going to be a starter he's going to play 30 35 minutes a night as he should like they they don't have anybody else who can play power forward so he needs to do it um but io obviously we saw it last year like he was way more productive than i think patrick has been through his career so far um i wrote about it today at lchgo.com and i just wanted to sort of bring up the idea that um we have to be very careful about our expectations with Patrick one, because uh, you know, he's just missed so much time, but I think more importantly, he's starting from a place of being like really far behind where IO is right now. And you mix that in with the fact that he missed time and the fact that his role has diminished basically to spot up shooter. Uh, I would be surprised if Patrick is coming out and really dominating and scoring at a high level because that's not who he was expected to be last year. I know he had the game 82 in Minnesota where he had 35 and 14 free throw attempts. And like, if he can do that, that would be amazing. Like the bulls would be way better for it. But um, I'm just, my prediction is, and I think I'm going to be sort of uh, throughout the season telling people to like pump the brakes with their skepticism, because I don't want the conversation to turn uh, for Patrick the way it has for Kobe. Um, and they're different players and they, you know, have their di- different trajectories. But like mm-hmm. after year three, everybody gave up on Kobe and yeah. you can say it's fair or not, but and I really Larry, hope that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I really hope that's not the case with Patrick. Mm. I think that's a really good point. And, and I, I made note of this. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, whatever it was, we we're talking about Patrick Williams. Um, and I really, really hate the way that they've sort of thrown him into this situation. And maybe maybe that is the right pro- approach. Again, like I talked about AK and Donovan and maybe them, not maybe, they have a better pulse of the team than I. So maybe they're right in doing this. But the way the thing, the thing, the roster has been constructed, it's almost forced the situation where Pat is the only real credible option and power forward. Like he's going to be gifted 30 minutes a night. Um, and maybe gifted is the wrong word, but... The way this team is sort of formulated, like I love the way they're bringing Io aboard because if whatever it is and he just hasn't got it on a specific night, then you can throw to Caruso, you can throw to Demar Levine, Kobe, Gor- Goran Dragic, like there's other options there that he can be brought along slowly and mature slowly, learn from others. Whereas Pat, like who is he learning to play power forward from? Like it's certainly not Javante Green or, or Derek Jones Jr. Like. There's no support from that sense. It would have been really nice to have kept that young around for this specific reason, that he would have been a really good mentor for someone like Pat. Like, how do you develop as a big forward in the NBA? But, like, he's, he's in a situation where he's going to be awarded or thrown into this into the fire and get a lot of minutes, and maybe that's what he needs. Maybe that's what he should have, given that he's a former number four pick and he needs that time to develop. But at the same time, like... It's just a lot of pressure on him. And this is what you wrote about. Like, th- there's just so much pressure pressure on him, like, that that he has to deliver now. Like, 
the Bulls are at the crossroads in some senses because of, you know, the Eastern Conference more generally. But, like, the, the fate of this team, the, the ultimate ceiling of this team, in, in a lot of ways, comes down to Pat. And, and I don't think that is fair. And I know I've been a, detract, a detractor in the past. I think I've been reasonable in that sense. But nonetheless, I, I do think it's kind of shitty the way they're throwing him into this, where he's almost forced into a situation where people are going to be rushing to judge him from game one next season. Like if, if he, I, I think anyone who's expecting him to come out and be a breakout, you know, scoring threat, I think is ludicrous. And those people should be mocked, <laughs> you know, right now. But like, in terms of like Pat being an effective two-way guy, like that should be the expect expectation. But I think unfortunately, just due to the situation, like there will be a lot of people who will be annoyed if this guy is not scoring 15 a game or even more because one, he's in his third year now. He's a former, uh, you know, a former number four pick. He's someone that the, the organization has invested a lot in. And like I said before, if the Bulls are to really jump out of that bracket where they're sort of competing in that five to, to nine range and getting up towards the top of the Eastern Conference, like it's it's going to come from Zach, but it's also going to come from, from Patrick Williams. So, inevitably like they've just put a, a ton of pressure on him maybe more than what's required at this point of his career and if i just sort of mirror that with bio who undoubtedly has pressure on his shoulders too like he has to perform but if he doesn't you've got options to to navigate away from that whereas patrick like there is no other option like he is your four if he's not playing well and if he's if his third year is stalling then you're going back to a situation where you're starting a minimum player in Javante Green or someone that you've brought back on a really cheap deal in Derek Jones Jr. And then what does that say about Patrick Williams' career? What what then happens to Patrick from a narrative point of view? Like does a fan base turn on him turn on him? So in that sense, I actually do really feel for him. And I think the way he has been treated in that in that sense is a little unfair. Yeah, I think the pressure is especially for a guy who, you know, we're not sure really you know, has the capability of stepping into those moments. Like we, we just haven't, we don't know. I'm not trying to say he doesn't, but we just haven't seen that part of him yet. Um, so to put that kind of pressure, I think is really dangerous. And I, I wanted to call out a couple of stats from this story, which are one that, you know, Patrick averaged nine points per game last year and had a 14.2% usage. I mean, that is just mm-hmm. minuscule, Yeah. but one area that I think we forget is the fact that, you know, his last game, he scored 35 points. Uh, that's, over 20% of his total points on the year came from that one game. And it was just because he had the opportunity to just like have the ball in his hands every single time. His scoring average went from 7.4 to nine. So over a point and a half per game, just based on that one final game and his usage jumped from 12.3 to 14.2. I mean, we're talking about a guy who just simply does not touch the ball. And especially from a scoring perspective to your point, Mark, if you are expecting him to come out and average 15 or 20 points per game next year, uh, I would be very, very careful and really rethink that because I just, one, I don't think it's really where he is yet as a player. And like, maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't, but um, certainly more likely than not at this point that he will not be able to produce that kind of scoring. Um, If, if, if not for the fact that, that's just not really who he is. It's because that's the role he's going to be playing is to spot up and space the floor next to Damar and Zach and Booch. Like he's just standing in the corner. And I do think as we've gotten into before, he needs to, you know, get that usage up a little bit and the bulls do need to run some offense through him um, just to see what they have. And to me, that's like getting his usage up to 17 or 18, but not like 25 the way it was in that final game. So they've got a lot of work to do. They obviously need to be careful and not just like feed him the ball because they'll miss the playoffs if they do. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult situation to be in and I don't want to put too much pressure on Patrick to be that guy right now, given everything that we've talked about, because I just don't think he's there yet. And and if you do, I think you need to be careful with those expectations. Yeah, completely agree. So um, in, in a lot of ways, like, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, like, there should be expectations on Pat. There should be lofty expectations on him. Like I said, he is the former number four pick. Um, but I, I just feel like it's going to all come to a head at this season. Like people are expecting him to to break out. And he does. Like he he does need to show something because he, 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 does, he really but hasn't. Like, he... But like, let me give you this scenario. If, if like Pat averages, I don't know, 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, and plays uh, – 
really nice defense. Doesn't do a whole lot on offense beyond what he's already shown. Maybe he's like, you know, hits a corner three, you know, gets on the baseline occasionally. Um, he's an efficient player, but not, not necessarily a high volume guy. But gives you 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, a good two way player. Do you think people would be happy with that? I think if he's creating tangible impact, people will be okay with it, um, regardless of what the, the I don't like, think they will box be. score numbers say. I, I don't think um, they will be. I mean, yeah, maybe not. But to me, it's more like I, I agree with what you're saying that like the the averages may not come out that that high. But to me, it's more about like the flashes that we see on the court. Can he actually put some stuff together? Can he have stretches where he he does handle the ball? And that's where I think the Bulls need to do some work to incorporate him and feature him in the offense. Um, certainly, while being careful and you know cognizant of the fact that they're not grandfathered into the playoffs this year. So um, I think we need to not only see him become a rock solid role player, and maybe that's not good enough for, for some, um, but I think we need to see that and some flashes of him being, you know, somebody who can take on a little bit more offensive responsibility, even if it's not through uh, important parts of the game or important stretches of the season. I do think he needs to at least be given the chance to show whether he can do that because that's, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, you're not really going to see what he's made of until year three. And then going into year four, that's like when you got to start to talk about extensions and mm. signing him mm. to his next contract. So they, I mean, yeah. they do need to do that work right now and it's on Patrick, it's on the bulls, it's on Billy, but, um, and this is also sort of a, it ties us back to the first conversation that we had about AK and yeah. the moves yeah. that, that he's made um, mm-hmm. to not bring anybody in, as you're saying, to support Patrick and to play those power for, forward minutes. I mean, is that um, to try to give him unlimited opportunity or is it because those guys aren't available or, or whatever it may be? Um, it's a tricky spot for them to be in. And, and I think the, the pressure is on him and they're sort of leaning into that as opposed to handling it the way that they are with Aya, where you know he could be the starter, he could come off the bench or he could even be third string uh, because they've got options there. I know you're not a big PJ Tucker fan, but um, and and I think all your points on PJ Tucker are fair and reasonable. But like, and I don't think he was a real solution for the Bulls because he was always headed to to Philadelphia. But you know, in, in a hypothetical, like if you could get a player like PJ Tucker who can step in and play 20, 24 minutes a night, whether that's at that power forward or center, like that gives you a an, a real alternative to Pat, I guess. Whereas at the moment it's okay, fine. It's it's Javante and Derek Jones Jr. Like they're good players, players that I enjoy watching, but they're not real alternatives that you want to have on on the court in a playoff game. Like that would have been a scenario where you can bring Pat on, and if for whatever reason he's not performing, then you've got a real viable option to to put on the court in place of him. But the Bulls don't have that at the moment, and I think that I think that is by design. Like they want this to be a situation where he just you know by design gets as much opportunity as possible to be that number four guy to be the guy that AK thinks he can be based on the fact that he drafted him fourth overall so I, I my prediction will is I, I think I think Pat has a really good two-way um season upcoming I don't think that's going to be enough for a lot of people and I I think I, I'd certainly take your point that people should be basing on the flashes to see the skill improvement that we see the impact that he delivers which maybe uh, will exist beyond the box score. But think about how much of the conversation around Vucevic this season was so box score driven. Like if he shot 34 or 35% from three instead of 31, 32% from three, the narrative would be so much different. So I think if Pat, like if Pat averages 11 points versus averaging 15 points, like that will matter. Like it's shitty that that will be the case, but I think it will be the case. So, um, I don't know. That's my prediction. I think he's going to have a good season. I think I'm going to be happy with the season he's going to have, but uh, I think a lot of people won't be. Um, and that's going to be a shame. Yeah. And I just want to say one more thing about like the PJ Tucker idea. That would have been a great solution. I think not only for, you know, somebody who could mentor and um, soak up some power forward minutes, but also potentially as a small ball center where you can yeah. play him next to Patrick yeah. and give you exactly. some versatility that way. So um, I think, you know, it's a very difficult player to find and maybe PJ Tucker was never a reasonable outcome, but um, I agree yeah. with you. I think the pressure is on Pat this year and the situation that he's in is not, uh, to me, it's not super conducive for him to 
develop into whatever player that the Bulls need him to be, that fans want him to be. Um, and, you know, compared to what he actually is capable of, of output wise this year. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't PJ Tucker, I mean, that player, the obvious answer is, uh, Thaddeus Young. Hope he's uh, doing well up there in Toronto. But um, nonetheless, let's call it a day there, William. Um, I'll, I'll let you go. You should. You, are you packing yet? Are you starting to get your shit in, in order for, for coming back? I got to start doing it. I've been doing well, podcasts all them. evening. I'm going yeah, well, well, to do some packing tomorrow. To podcast now. We're, we're banged on long enough about the balls. Um, well, I'll let you go pack. I'll let you go enjoy, what is it, day two of being 30, whatever it may be. Um, let's call it a day here. Thank you for joining me, William. Next time we will speak, you will be in Chicago. So I look forward to that. Um, at, so, yeah, that, that'll be fun to, to discuss at that point. We'll have to change the way we introduce you going forward. But nonetheless, thank you for joining me on this episode of CSGO Bulls. You know where to find Will on Twitter, people, at Wentgotlib, read all these stories at AllCHGO. I'm at, on Twitter, I'm at, at, at MKHoops, rather. Um, you know where to find CHGO Bulls on Twitter, on the website, in your podcast feeds, all that nonsense, you know where to get us. Support our sponsors. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the show this week. The guys will be back on Monday, so tune in then. But from Will and I, we appreciate you joining us on this episode of CHGO Balls. Speak soon, Bulls fans.